All right. We're going to keep kicking it old school, all right? <laughs> we are kicking it old school this, uh, this for a couple of weeks, and uh, this is our Back to Basics course. These are some of the, uh, the things that we learn as uh, kids growing up in kids' church. How many of you remember kids' church? Come on, that's some good stuff. Um, and so for those of you who did not grow up in the church, this, this is a catch-up course for you, okay? So we're going to catch you up on just some of those foundational things that we learned growing up uh, as children. And so, uh, so when I think old school, as we all do, we think 80s and 90s, right? That's what old school is, <laughs> the 90s. <laughs> So that's why we've got some DC talk going this morning, and uh, the man, the 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 songs this morning before church were spot on. Man, those were perfect. Uh, good worship songs, celebrate Jesus, celebrate. That's some good stuff. So uh, we now we always sing a song that we learned in kids' church. Okay, so last week we sang Happy and You Know It. You remember that? All right. So this week we've got another song. And it's got some motions too. So you'll have to uh, follow me with the motions. So let's see if you remember this song right here, okay? This is a good one, too. This is, I, I love this one. This was some good motions as well. So here we go. Let's see if we can do this. No, keep the lights on. That's fine. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace that? like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. Okay, you know it. Okay, it's better if you stand up. Let's everybody stand up a little bit, okay? Let's stand up. Let's sing this song. Watch me for the motions. Hey, someone might want a piece of candy. You never know. It's kids' church, okay? Here we go. I got love. You're doing good. All right, this is the fun one. You ready? Very good. Very nice. <laughs> Very good. All right, now it's going to get hard. You ready? <laughs> Even on this stuff, it's okay. <laughs> like an ocean. Very good, very good. Some of you are getting it. <laughs> I forgot. Here's everybody's favorite. <laughs> In my soul. Those are beautiful. Hey, give yourselves a big hand. You may be seated. All right. Wilver Kirk, you win the piece of candy. That was a great fountain you had going on there. Good job. Give a big hand to Wilver Kirk. <laughs> All right. Now you guys pay attention. There's a, there may be a quiet seat prize at the end. There's not. Just be quiet. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. Stuff that we learned when we were kids. Last week, we talked about creation and that we are made in the image of God. How many of you believe that? 
We are made in the image of God. Why do we look for who we are from someone in this world or even in ourselves or find someone on the internet who can help us with self-help, whatever, okay? Why do we look to the world when we can look to the one who actually made us, created us, and whose image we are made out of, okay? So we are made in the image of God. Today, we're, we're going to talk definitely some foundational things in our walk with the Lord. When we walk with God, there are several things that we as Christians, we, it's just part of our lives. It's what we do. It's who we, it's who we are. We do some simple things like read our Bible, pray, go to church, and have Christian friends, right? Those are like simple, simple things that we do as Christians. And so our key verse of the day is James chapter 4, verse 8. James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you, okay? There's a, as the story goes, there was this <clears throat> older couple driving uh, in, a, in an old beat up pickup truck and they were driving down this dirt road that they've driven down a hundred times in their lives and they were uh, sitting in one of those, it was one of those old trucks with the bench seats, you know what I'm talking about? So not like the two bucket seats with the cup holders in the middle, I'm talking a bench seat, okay? So they're driving along and, and the, the wife has her face basically pressed up against the, the window there just looking out at the rolling hills, you know? And she looks over at her, at her husband, man that she's been married to for 50 years or so, and she sees the, the space in between her and her husband, just, you know, just, a, just this huge gap between the two. And she says, honey, don't you remember years and years ago when we first got married and we would drive this old country road together and we would, we would sit so close together and you would have your arm around me or we would be holding hands and... Oh, we were just so in love, and we loved each other. Have we lost that? I feel like there's a, there's a space between us, and how do we get back to the way we used to be? Is that, what is going on? Why are we not as close as we used to be? So the old man's driving the truck, and, and he looks over at his wife, and he sees the gap between them, and looks at the steering wheel, and looks ahead, and looks back at his wife, and looks at the space between them looks at the steering wheel and looks ahead and says, well, I haven't moved. <clears throat> so I'm here to tell you, you are as close to God as you want to be, all right? God hadn't moved. He's not, okay, he's not going anywhere, okay? So if there is a distance between you and the Lord, let's not look at him, <laughs> let's turn and look inward and see where we're at, all right? Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Haggai. Haggai, what's going on? Haggai and Ezra, okay? So both of these books are in the Old Testament. Haggai is toward the end of the Old Testament, and uh, Ezra is back toward the beginning uh, of the Old Testament. So this is, um, it sounds like, whoa, you're in like two parts, different parts of the Bible, Actually, these two stories are happening at the same time. This story of Ezra, the story of, of Haggai. What can be confusing is the Old Testament is not written in chronological order. Okay, we, we wish it was, you know, but it's not written just like that. Okay, so, so for instance, Haggai is on one end of the Old Testament. Ezra is back at the front end of it, but they're happening at the same time. Okay, so Ezra is before 
uh, Daniel in, in order of the books, but Ezra happened after Daniel. So sometimes it can be a little bit confusing, okay? But these two stories are happening at the same time. Haggai was the prophet. Ezra was kind of like the senior pastor of the, of the area there. And so let me give you just a little bit of a history lesson. So after David, for about 400 or so years, they, the, the Israelites start going through ups and downs, right? When they follow God, they're up high on the mountain, and they're winning battles, and they're doing great when they love God. And then a bad king comes in, and they go down to the bottom, they start worshiping other gods, and they start doing other things, they start neglecting God, and they start losing battles, and things are just going bad. And so it's a little bit of a roller coaster, although for the most part they were down, (laughs) they were not doing very good, they kept turning their back on the Lord. In fact, it got so to the point where they just kept turning their back on God, turning their back on God, God said, all right, fine, I'm going to give you over to your enemies, and uh, the the enemies of, of Assyria and Babylon, they come through Israel, <clears throat> they destroy the temple, they completely knock it down, and take over the land, and they've been taken over. And God actually said that this is going to happen. And he said, and this is going to happen for 70 years, okay? So for 70 years, what Babylon and what, and what Asia did, or uh, 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 Assyria did, they came in and they took the best and the brightest and the youngest and the strongest men and women from Israel and took them back to their palaces to help to help them in, in their country. So this is when Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and all, people like that would go and they lived in Babylon. And so for 70 years, the best and the brightest, the youngest and all of these were off in other countries <clears throat> while the rest of the Israelites were just there to kind of walk around the country. They had no temple, so they had no place to go to church they had no place to hear the Torah, so they, couldn't, they didn't have Bibles like this. Not everybody just had a Bible. So they couldn't hear the word of the Lord. They couldn't pray and make their sacrifices. They couldn't do any of this stuff. They couldn't hang out with each other because they were occupied by a foreign land. And so for 70 years, it was this way. And there's lights just kind of walking around, not really doing much of anything, especially spiritually speaking, okay? And so we're going to enter our story at the end of that 70 years, okay, when the, as they call them, exiles, as the people start coming back into Israel, and they start noticing that we need to start, we need to build back up, okay? So this is where we are entering that story. So Haggai and, uh, and Ezra are going to be some of the ones that lead the charge to do this, okay? So that's kind of the history. That's, that's where we're at. You've got the Israelites, they have turned their back on God, and now they're just not really doing anything. They don't have a temple to go to. So in Haggai chapter 1, Starting in verse 3, the Lord speaks to Haggai, and he lets him have it, all right? He says, Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? Whoa. (laughs) That's the opening sentence. (laughs) That is like, wow, okay. So God's like, I see that you've taken care of your house. Wow, you have a very nice house. Look at that. You got, you know, your yard's cut. and looks very nice. I see that little garden gnome you got there. Hey, that looks very nice. Your house looks beautiful. Uh, anybody see my house over here? Because it's in ruins. So literally the temple, when it was destroyed, we're talking about like stone on top of stone. Like there was no cleaning service that swept everything up, okay? It was just kind of there. So as they're walking around doing their lives, they see every day the temple which is where the presence of the Lord is, is destroyed. And, it's, and God says, do you see this? I see your beautiful houses. Do you see my house? 
This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. What he's saying is you're, you're eating and you're drinking, but you're not being satisfied. Why? Because you have put all of your efforts, all of your focus on everything else except for me. And you're trying to find contentment. You're trying to find happiness. You're trying to find joy in yourself or in your house or what you're doing, and you're not looking for it in me. And so why is it that you have a lot, but you feel unsatisfied? Because you've not given praise and glory and honor to me. So this was happening back in 500 whatever in B.C. That's not happening today at all in 2021, is it? Not at all. (laughs) Verse 7. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up to the hills, bring back timber, rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. He says, that's great that you've got your house in order and that you've got your new car and that you've got your, that's great, that's fine, okay? But it's time to work on the spiritual man. It's time to work on my house. It's time to work on what's important. Verse 9, you hoped for rich harvest but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, while all of you were busy building your own fine houses. It's because of that that the heavens withhold the dew and the earth produces no crops. So how how many times have... Something not happened to us. We didn't get blessings. We didn't get what we want, especially when someone else gets it who is more undeserving than us, right? But we didn't get something, and we want to turn it back to God. And God says, don't look at me. Why did this happen? Because you, you are not focusing on what you're supposed to be focusing on. You're building your kingdom, and you have completely neglected my kingdom. Don't look at me. This is on you guys. So Haggai 1.14, skip a couple of verses here. So the Lord sparked enthusiasm. How many of you know sometimes it takes just a spark? So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's armies. So he spoke, and how many of you know, sometimes we need to be pricked a little bit in the heart. Sometimes we need to be, listen, the Lord can lead us by the hand, and sometimes he can kick us wherever you think, okay? And this was one of those moments for the Israelites. They needed to be, look what you're doing, okay? Both of those are good. I like the leading of the hand better than the other, but there's sometimes I need both, okay? And this is what the Lord did. You have neglected me for too long. And you have put your focus on other things. I was reading some uh, old sermons by uh, Charles Finney, because I'm weird, I guess. (laughs) Um, And so I was reading a Charles Finney sermon, 
He's one of the, for those of you who don't know, one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century, um, American evangelist, and he, was, he, I mean, he spoke fire everywhere he went. This is what he says about neglecting the presence of God. He says, but what must be said of the danger of losing the soul or losing salvation? This danger is exceedingly great because men have only to neglect the soul and it is surely lost. It does not require attention and labor. You can lose your soul without the least possible effort made specifically for this purpose. You need not go about and commit sin in order to ensure the ruin of your soul hopelessly and forever. You need only to neglect its salvation, and it is surely lost. You need only be as negligent as you have been heretofore. It is only necessary that you slide along in the same thoughtless, reckless manner as in your past days, and in the end will be a sudden destruction without any remedy. So he says, look, you don't have to go out into this world looking to commit sins everywhere to lose your salvation. You can lose your salvation by completely neglecting the things of God, as these Israelites apparently were doing for 70 years. As we turn our focus this morning and this uh, this month, I guess, to putting our focus where the focus needs to be, it is not... <clears throat> a bad thing or sin to have a big house or a new car, vacation to Hawaii, whatever. That's not sin. But when our world is built on building that kingdom and we're neglecting the kingdom of God, now we have a problem. Or, well, now you have a problem. When you neglect the things of God, I am thankful for God's blessings, okay? If they're blessings. If they're things that I got, I'm not sure if I want that. If it's blessings, I'm great. But I'm not trying to get things. I'm trying to push forward the kingdom of God. That's what I want to do. So Ezra chapter 3 verse 8. The construction of the temple of God began in mid-spring during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. The workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile, including Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and his fellow priests, and all the Levites. The Levites who were 20 years old or older were put in charge of rebuilding the temple. So this was put even on the younger people, 20 years and older. Even the younger people were put in charge of rebuilding this temple. It is so important. It's not just for the older people to do. The young people need to understand what rebuilding the temple means, what building the temple, what that looks like. Verse 10, when the builders completed the foundation, when they completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, The priests put on their robes, took their places, blew their trumpets, and the Levites descended on Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David prescribed. So they had a celebration, not when the temple was created. That's normally when you have a celebration, right? When the job's done. They stopped and had a celebration at the foundation that was being laid. That is huge, that is, that is huge for us to understand just how important the foundation is, okay? Now, I know that it, it's kind of hard to get excited about the foundation. Woo! Foundation! Okay? Like, I've watched some of those shows uh, on Home Network or whatever. I never saw, like, Chip and Joanna get really excited about the foundation that they were doing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Scott Brothers, is that who they are? 
Uh, like, I never saw them like, whoa, let's work on this foundation. No, they were all talking about, you know, living room, open concept. I don't know, whatever that is. And so that's what they were focusing on. Let's beautify this place, okay? Let's make this place look beautiful, and that's what they were focused on. Not one episode did I see, let's get in there and let's work on that foundation. But let me tell you something. Anybody want to live in a house without a foundation? Anybody? Like, I can do without open concept. I can't do without foundation, okay? The foundation is the most important part of the house, not the new blue shutters, okay? So before we get to those parts looking pretty, we've got to work on our foundation. And the Israelites understood this because they just went through 70 years without a foundation. They didn't have a church to go to, to hear the word, to pray and make their sacrifices, uh, to spend time with God's people. They didn't have that. And for 70 years, here comes Ezra and Zerubbabel and all of these, and they were like, whoa, this is what we need. So as they began to build that foundation and they finished it, they stopped and had a celebration. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Tell all the people, or then all the people, gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. First time in human history that people were so excited about the foundation being rebuilt. And let me tell you something. There are, from time to time, we need to work on our foundation. Make sure that we are standing on sturdy ground. Do you put your foundation on Jesus Christ? Is that where your foundation lies? Kicking it back to Haggai chapter 2. Verses 6 to 9, it says, For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says, In just a little while I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasures. All the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Do you want to go to a church that is filled with his glory? I mean, I want to go to a church where there's great music and great preaching and great people and great this and that. I want to go to a church that's filled with his glory. I want these four walls to be filled with his glory, and I want this church, this house, to be filled with his glory. So there's sometimes there are things that I've got to do to put my mind back on that foundation. Verse 8 the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple, the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory. Future house will be greater than the former house, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. The Lord of heaven's armies have spoken. So he says, the future glory of this house, the church, the temple, the future glory of this house will be even greater than the former glory of the house. Now, the formerly, we, we had some good glory. We had Moses, and we had Joshua, and we had David. Uh, pretty good. And he says, the future one, the one that's coming, it's even better than that. It's even better than that. I want to be a part of a church that is filled with his glory. And so there are things that we do 
we say that we want to draw close to the Lord. Foundational stuff in our Christian walk. What do Christians do is another thing to say. Well, foundationally, there are some simple things we do. We read our Bible. We pray. We go to church. We have Christian friends. Those are just some foundational things, okay? So look at that list right there. If you were to look back in your life at maybe some spiritual lows in your life, would it be safe to say that you had one or all of those out of whack? Those were not a priority, okay? And if you were to look back in your life of spiritual highs in your life, when it just felt like you were so close to the Lord and God was using you in ministry and things like that, more than likely, you had a good, you were able to do these things right here, these simple foundational things. Does that, does that check out for the most part? That's why your foundation is so important. Read the Bible. This right here is God's Word. I believe it. Every single word is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Every single one. I don't get to cut things out if I don't like it. I don't get to, well, I don't really understand that one, so I'll just forget that. Every single word in this Bible is the Word of God, the inspired Word of God. So if you want God to talk to you, then read your Bible. That's God's Word. God never talks to me. Whoop, just open it up. There you go. God is now talking to you. This is the word of God right here. And we base everything on the word of the Lord. Everything. Weren't you taught this as kids? Didn't you memorize scripture as kids? Do we still memorize scripture? I mean, I know, you know, I know we're not going to get a little piece of candy for it, but we can still memorize scripture, can't we? I will hide this word in my heart that I might not sin against you. These are things that we learn as kids we learned this. This is our Bible. This is God talking to us. This has to be a priority in our life. You say, well, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. Open the Bible and start, okay? If, 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 the, if reading the Bible is new to you, there's not like a certain, you know, well, all Christians read three chapters. No, 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 no. Just, just open it up and just read, okay? If you're just starting with the Bible, I would recommend starting in the Gospels. Because then you hear what Jesus said and what he did, especially the book of Mark, because it's miracle, 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 miracle. I mean, you just like blow through them. It's great. So start in Mark. I personally love the book of James. So much practical stuff in there, just how to live and walk your daily life. There's lots of places that you can pick up and pick up this Bible and start reading it. There are, there are plans galore out there. I mean, this is 2021. You can find a Bible study anywhere for free on the Bible app, I believe. If you don't have a Bible, like I said, there's free Bible apps out there, but come up and talk to me, and I want to make sure that you get a Bible, okay? We have Bibles that are available, and I can get you one. There are study Bibles that you can look, and you read this, and huh, what does that mean? And then at the bottom, in a lot of places, it'll tell you this is what Jesus meant when he said this. There are things to do. Read your Bible. What I do know is that when the Bible contradicts our beliefs, we change our beliefs, not the Bible. When the Bible contradicts our beliefs, we change our beliefs, not the Bible. Because we stand on this, not our opinion. Pray. 
Pray. Talk to God. It's so simple. You just talk to the Lord. That's part of the, part of the good thing about when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was ripped, and that meant the glory was not just in one place, but now it is everywhere. So now you don't have to go to a spot or a priest once a year, whatever. You can talk and pray anytime, anywhere. On the road, driving to work. You can, you can talk to the Lord on Thursday night. He listens on Thursdays. Can you believe it? Yes, you can talk and you can pray any time of the day or night, and he does not fall asleep. He is always ready to talk with you and to hear your heart. And go ahead and be honest with him because he already knows anyway. Go ahead and just be honest with him. If you're new to prayer, you're like, I don't really know what to do. Start talking, okay? You know how when you, have you ever been kind of forced to be in a conversation with someone and you do that small talk stuff and you don't, you know, how many kids you got and where are you from? And you don't really care about the information. You just have to talk to that guy. It, it's like, it, it's awkward the first time. But then you also have friends that you've been with for, friends with for years, and you can just pick up a conversation. You cannot talk to each other for a year, but then see each other and talk for four hours. So the first time you pray, it might be a little awkward because you don't know what to do, but keep praying, keep talking. And I promise you, he will make it easy, okay? He'll make it easy to talk to him. I find that when I hear someone who knows how to pray, it's because they know who they're talking to. They know who they're talking to. You know those people who can just pray in public? It's because they know who they're talking to. They're talking to the great I am, but they're talking to a friend. Yes, he's king and creator, and, but he's friend and father. Talk to him. Just talk to him. You don't have to say thee and thou. Jesus didn't, okay? You realize that was English. Jesus didn't speak English back in the day, okay? He never, ever said thee or thou or shout. He, he never did, okay? So you don't have to say those words. You talk. To, there's many prayer times. I come in, I sit down. God, here's the deal. This is what I'm struggling with. I'm struggling. And just talk. Just talk to him. Go to church. Go to church. I am thankful for our online audience, those who couldn't make it this morning, or maybe you're going to watch it later in the week, and I understand that. But there is something about being in the room with God's people, lifting up a praise to the Lord. Coming to church, it's good for you. It's good to experience that as a family, to come together, COVID or not. It is good to experience the presence of God as a family. And we can still do this. We can come together as a family because it's good for us. We need that. And not only, not only just for us, let's not be selfish for a second. Because God's giving you abilities to minister and to serve the church as well. So it's not just, you know, I don't feel like going to church today. Well, great, but someone else might need what you have. How many of you, how many of you in worship time, because of someone else's worship, spurred you to worship more? Well, then get here and worship. That's what we do. We're in this together. Go to church. What it is is what kind of family 
are you going to be? There are some people that, as a family, we get up on Saturday mornings in the fall and we go to the football game because that's who we are. This is our family and we go do the. As a family, we go, you know, camping in the summer or as a. This is just who we are as our family. Every, you know, Easter or after church, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever your holiday traditions are. As a family, we do this, okay? Like, we're a Chick-fil-A family, you know? We're not like a Cane's chicken family. Can I get an amen, Keisha? Come on. Like, there are some of us that this is just who we are, okay? And who are we as the people of God? We go to church. This is not a, if nothing else is going on, I guess we'll do it. That's what, that is foundational, Find a church that you can worship and that you can serve. Find a church that you can worship and that you can serve and not one of those because both of those will bring some burnout at some, well, this one will bring burnout and this one will teach you selfishness. It's not just about you and if you like the worship style, it's where you can serve other people as well. Find a place. Have Christian friends. Spend time with Christians. Now, first, real quick, as Christians, we need to have non-Christian friends, okay? Because we, ha- we have to lead them to the Lord. How else are they going to know? So we have to have non-Christian friends that we reach out to, okay? That thought is a different sermon, okay? I'm not talking about that right now, okay? In fact, that's in two weeks. But reaching our friends for the lost, we have to have non-Christian friends, Okay? That's a different sermon. This sermon is, I'm talking about foundationally. Like we're working on our foundation, okay? We told our kids when they were growing up, watch out who you hang out with. Watch out who you date. You're going to marry one of those jokers that you date, okay? Look at who you're dating. You have to, okay? Well, why was that good advice for someone at 15 but not at 50, okay? Like who... Who are the people that influence you the most? Those people need to be Christians. Okay? The people who, who have influence over your life on a friend level, who are, and that you have influence over them, those need to be Christians, believers, because iron sharpens iron, because we work together. This is one of those, I'm going up the mountain, you're coming with me, and sometimes you've got to drag me too. Okay? As at foundationally, we need each other. In fact, there were some enemies that were coming. This isn't in your notes, but there were some enemies that were coming and they saw that they were re- rebuilding the temple and they came over and said that they wanted to help. And they said, hey, we'll help you. Okay? Ooh, what a great witness, right? No, no, no. Here we go. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the other leaders of Israel replied, you may have no part in this work. We alone will build the temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. He says, you will have no part. This is ours. This is us, okay? We're rebuilding the temple. There was a rebuilding that takes place. There's a foundational thing that we have to do to grow in the Lord. I'm talking to the young people here in the room. Foundational stuff. You want to do some things that draw you closer to the Lord. Simple things. And there's others, but simple things. Read your Bible. Pray. Go to church, have Christian friends. If you did those every day for a month, do you think you would be closer to the Lord? If you neglected all of those things every day for a month, do you think you would be further from the Lord? 
It's as simple as that. Foundational stuff. Let me say one more thing before we go into a time of prayer. Pastor Victor, come on up. Doing these four things, this is not a formula for salvation. I feel like sometimes I need to head some stuff off at the past, okay? We are not a works-based salvation, okay? This is not, if you do those four things, you're a Christian, you're good, you're going to heaven. That's not what I'm saying. There's not a formula here, okay? All right? Sometimes we feel like if we do this and this and this, then I'll be saved. That's a different religion. Those are other religions, okay? Other religions, salvation is like the destination. And if you do these things, then you'll get salvation, okay? Like going to Disney World, you've got to drive through Louisiana and then through Alabama and then through Florida and then the destination. In Christianity, it's the reverse. We start with salvation. We start with the destination. If you believe, speak with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So you start at the destination. There's not a do this, 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 okay? There's not a you have to pray five times a day like in Islam. There's not you have to do certain rites like in Hindu. There's not a you have to talk to the priest in Catholicism. No. You start at salvation, okay? So we don't, and then when you, when you get there, then you begin to do your travel inside the park, and you ride the rides, and you eat the food, and you learn more and more and more and more, Okay? So we don't do these four things to get saved, but because we are saved, we want to do these things. Understand that? I just felt like I wanted to head this off. So, okay? So I'm not saying, well, I did those four last week. I'm good. Uh, uh, No. Okay? It's not a checklist. This is just, I want to work on my foundation. That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to go into a time of prayer. All right? You're going to go to a time of prayer. This morning, we're going to pray for our foundation today. Those of you who are watching online as well, find a place to pray there at your couch or chair wherever and pray for your foundation. Just some foundational things that when, as, as Christians, what we learned as kids, the simplest things, and that sometimes we neglect just like these Israelites did. The Israelites for 70 years because of their actions, the temple was destroyed. So they had nowhere to go to church, nowhere to hear the word, nowhere to pray, nowhere to hang out with Christian friends. And for 70 years, they, it was one of the spiritual lows of Israelites' history. And I come against that in the name of Jesus. We have to remember our commitment to the Lord as we draw closer and closer to Him. So I'm going to open up these altars. If you'd like to find a place to pray, one, two, three, go. Okay, let's all find a place to pray. If that's at your seat, that's fine. But let's find a place to pray and talk to God about your foundation. It's possible that one of those four things really stood out. It's like, you know, I'm pretty good on two or three of these, but I got to be honest. I got to work on this one. This one I have some struggle with or whatever it is. Let's take several minutes here and let's pray for our foundation. Because listen, if we want to go anywhere, with our own lives and this community and this world, our foundation has to be strong. So let's look to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for our salvation. Let's draw closer to Him. And as we draw close to Him, He will draw close to us. Oh Lord, draw us close to You, Lord. We want more and more of You, God. We want more and more of you. Lord, I pray for our foundations this morning as a church, as individuals, as people, as your church. 
pray for our foundation, God. We, we put our foundation on you. We put our foundation on the rock. On the rock, not on the sandy ground. It doesn't matter how good our house looks on the sandy ground. Because when the storms of life come, it will be washed away. But if our foundation is in you, is on the rock, then bring on the storms. Bring on the storms. Because we know that you are with us. Help us to draw closer and closer and closer to you, God. We love you. I pray for our foundations. Hallelujah, Lord. Pray for, Lord, I pray for our kids this morning. As Lord, they heard this lesson here this morning as well. Drawing close to you. We pray that our kids, for us, this is back to the basics. For the kids, this is the basics. They're learning it. They're learning, and, and, and what they learn as a child right now will set them up for future. If they learn to love the Bible and love prayer and love church, love spending time with their Christian friends, that does wonders for them moving forward. God, I just pray for our kids this morning. Thank you for them, God. I pray that you would be with us as we go this week. Help us to love you. Help us to love you. Draw us close, closer and closer to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a good time in the house of the Lord, the presence of the Lord this morning. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, talk to somebody on your way out. Tell them it's good to see you. We can't go to Chick-fil-A today, but tomorrow we'll go to Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> All right. I love you guys.